You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, let's open up Luke. We're going to talk today about, uh, as we continue the series called The Gospel Effect, and we're going to talk about uh, these disciples that was down the road to Emmaus. And we did something a little different today. You're like, man, what, uh, are we going to sing anymore? Yeah, we are. We're going to do something a little bit different at the end. We're going to take communion today, but we're going to sing uh, worship at the end. I'll, because of what I'm going to talk about today, it's so involved with the area of communion. I wanted to talk about it and then take a time of worship together and then take communion together at the end of church. I think you'll see why in a moment. So I want to declare it in case you're wondering. And oh, and another thing, it's cool. I know if you have little kids, they probably, you know, um, just go with them. I, you didn't hear this from me. If they want to get t- look at the little tractor out there or whatever. <laughs> I didn't say anything, you know what I mean? Like, but if you know they want to see it, that's totally up to you, and you can look at it and whatever, take pictures with them or whatever. I don't know. I've seen little kids like, "This is so cool." Piper, she's like, "Dad, that's what we need." Yeah, that's exactly right. That'll be awesome. So anyway, um, but so we did get the the repairs done out here. So finally, that's taken care of. Thank God for that. Right? Yep. Yes. Yes. Finally, um, as you can see, it was a much bigger ordeal than what anybody thought. Um, I was really concerned. I'll be honest. I was really concerned. I thought I, I, they may dig up the whole property before. I mean, they had holes. They said, we can't find this thing. I was like, well, you know, don't look at me because that's why we got you. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm out, boss. Like, you know, I'll dig the thing. I'd love to drive that little tractor with you, but I, I, I'm, I'm out, man. That's why we got you. They finally found it though. And God bless them. I mean, they were out here working and all of a sudden one of those Georgia thunderstorms hit right when they got all these holes dug. I mean, it was just chaos, but they got it fixed, so thank God for that. That's over, and we'll do cleanup now and probably do some landscape repairs next. But anyway, if you have your Bibles now, we'll go to Luke, and uh, we're going to look at some of the things from Luke, uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, and uh, I would turn there, and then I'll kind of open this up here. These guys um, that walked to Emmaus, we really don't know a whole lot about them. I could tell you some things about them, but uh, it's it's a bit of... Not speculation, but you know how in the Bible there's so many different people with the same name, Mary. There are multiple women named Mary. I mean, it's just such a common name. There are other individuals that in this story that have the same name, so we really don't know. It could be the same guy. I think it probably was, but maybe it's not. We just really don't know. We do know this much about them. They were close enough to Jesus that they were really moved by this situation. They were very close to Jesus. And so... um, when I share this with you today about communion, I want you to think of this from your senses. And I don't know how many, you know, when you have senses that you have your five senses that you have, you know, sometimes you have memories of things and whatnot, but you may forget about something forever until you see something, you hear a song. I mean, you know, Kenny Chesney will tell you that. There's a song that will take you back. There's like all these different smells will do it to you, like a certain uh, smell, like I'm spraying stuff on our lawn right now to kill off this kind of weed that's there that you just can't use it regular stuff i had to get some professional grade stuff to kill it off but it's so funny i can every now and get this smell in the mornings when the hot sun's baking the grass you know it smells like when i would go ride in golf carts with my grandfather playing he played golf i'd drive the golf cart it's that same smell and it's so funny how little things like that will just take you back. And I was thinking about this when I was reading this story about communion, about how we take it. This picture, I'm going to show you this picture. This is a um, something I would see as a kid at church. And it says, this do in remembrance of me. And I would see this table. And I, now, I don't know what went through your head. So please, I, when I say things like this, you have to understand, I'm just being honest with you. I don't know how else to do it, okay? So it... Don't take offense to what I'm about to say. I did not look at this as a holy table. I didn't look at it as holy communion. I didn't look at, you know what I looked at? I thought, in school, my teacher would say, that's not right. This do in remembrance me. I thought, that doesn't seem like that would work right in the sentence structure. As a kid, that's all I can think about is somebody messed up on the engraving. Like somebody like didn't do a great job and they put it in front of everybody. I thought, how terrible is that? I mean, this is what I'm thinking. I'm sorry, but that's what I thought. Because I always thought it should say, do this in remembrance of me. Now you may say, well, it works. Okay, whatever. I'm just telling you as a kid, that's what was going through my head. My, I never thought it was holy. I never thought anything about it. I saw him put juice and crackers on it. But to me, that was snack time. I'm sorry. That's all I thought about. 
And every time I see one of these, it, it just takes me back as a kid seeing that little oak table with that bright color carpet. And man, little pews and hymn books. That's where I go. I just think about it every time. And that's not really what Jesus wanted to convey with us. There's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, if we had one, I'd probably use it. But we, that's not what he wanted to convey. He does want us to remember, but he doesn't want you to remember just a piece of furniture. He really wanted you to remember something very significant. And so, when you think about some of the things that we see and we remember, this is one of the most significant items, I guess you'd say, the bread and the wine in all of Christianity. There is more to, when we take, and ours is very commercialized, I understand that. You have to understand with so many of you, it just, it's hard to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the most efficient way we've found. It's just easier, I guess you could say. But when you take that away from that juice... There's much more to that than just something we do at church every month. There is a very significant meaning behind it. And some of you do know what that means. Some of you may not. So I'm going to share with you the background of this uh, this morning. So at the Last Supper, Jesus uh, had bread and wine there. And he said to his, um, to his disciples, and this is where this, get, this statement comes from on the on the furniture, it's coming from the King James Version. I'm going to give you this. This is not a newer, this is a very old translation. All right. But he said in Luke 22, 19, he said, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. That's why that's put on the communion table. It's an older version. Now, most of the newer translations today do not read it that way. It says, Do this in remembrance of me. But nonetheless, he says, When you do this, when you take communion today, when we take communion, you're not doing this as a ritual. This is not a religious rite. It's not something that was given to you this morning to do because it's the you know last Sunday of the month. Typically, it's when we do communion. It's not given to you this morning because we want to do what other churches do or because it started over here in this Catholic background with this. It's not done because of this issue over there. This is to be done in remembrance of who? Jesus. The most important thing I tell you today why do you take communion? It is not to prove something. It is not to have. It is to say. It is to do it in remembrance of your Savior, Jesus Christ. And one of the reasons he does, I'll give you a couple of thoughts on this, is number one, Jesus, he gives you, number one, revelation about this. This is, very, this is important. If this has only been up to this point today, if it's only been a cracker and juice to you, I pray in Jesus' name today you get a revelation of what this really is. You need to understand this is more than just that. At the same time, let's don't get too far with it, because it is, by the way, just bread and juice. Don't take it any further than what it is. It does not become the literal body or blood of Jesus, okay? When you take it, that's not what this is. He said, you do this in remembrance of me, it doesn't become me. There's a whole group out there that thinks that. That is not what he said, you can't take it so seriously. The things about God is this. I love what our pastor would tell us. Says, hey, look, the things of God, take it seriously. But don't take it too seriously. Like, you know, don't get so extreme with it that you can't even enjoy your life. Be holy. Be set apart. But man, listen, every now and then, I don't eat it every day. But if my grandmother cooks some bacon, I'm probably going to eat some bacon. I wouldn't advise it every day. Your doctor would tell you probably you shouldn't eat it every day. But every now and then, I'm just probably going to eat some bacon, okay? Y'all get what I'm saying, right? Take take it serious. Don't take it so serious. The things that are non-negotiable, that's different. If it's non-negotiable, then you've got to hold fast that Jesus is the Son of God. There's no debating that. We shouldn't be like, well, maybe, maybe not. It should be settled. But when it comes to other things... Like, man, listen, if you feel like I am not dressed appropriate for church, if you like I'm too casual, that's preference, okay? At the same time, I'm not coming in here with something, you know, you get what I'm saying, right? Stuff's not hanging out where it shouldn't be, okay? Y'all get what I'm saying, right? Take, take it serious, but don't take it too serious, right? All right, there we go. So Jesus, though, he wants to give you a revelation about communion. So Luke 22 and verse 14. He says, when the hour had come, he reclined at the table. They were having dinner. This was the Passover meal. And I don't have time to do this. I wish I did. I thought about doing this. I just want to encourage you something. If you're a student of theology, you like to study. Take the time to study this week out 
and understand what I'm about to tell you. This is just a little teaser. If Jesus was in the belly of the earth, as he said, Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three do you think he meant it literally, or do you think he was just making up stuff? I, I think if Jesus said it, he meant it literally. Then go back and understand this. Uh, and Jesus said, so shall the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth three days and three nights. And then do some calculations of that week. And see where you come up with. I have a Jewish friend, I, we went back and forth on this a number of times, and uh, he said, you have convinced me. I thought, wow. You know, I f- feel pretty good now. <laughs> Cutting up with them, of course, but I was, I'm very convinced by this because when you read this, you see Passover, but there's also Sabbath. So in this week, there's two Sabbaths. So when you go back and study this, that might explain some questions you have about timelines in the Bible. Everything in the Bible lines up, but I don't have time to get into that. You, that's just a teaser. You go study if you want to know about it, okay? It's plenty, of, it'll take you some time, but you can do it. Alright, so anyway, <clears throat> this is the Passover meal. This is not Saturday. He's eating Passover with his disciples. This is considered a high Sabbath. Okay, So he says, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I shall never eat it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and he gave thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say unto you, now if Pastor Jody had been there, <laughs> I would have been like, now Jesus, can I get my own cup? I don't want to drink after Peter. I don't want to drink after John. Or can I go first? I mean, is it cool? Like, um, Pastor Steve and I were over in Sudan. He said um, we were doing communion. Now, listen, you have to understand, when you're in a place that's very impoverished, you're, just, you're grateful, and you just go with the flow. You understand what I'm saying? You don't bring your American into other countries. You leave that behind. You have a passport to get back home, but everything else you leave here. You leave the red, white, and blue. You leave all that junk behind because, and I say junk literally because in other countries it doesn't mean anything. You know, we're not citizens of America. I hate to tell you this. You are temporarily a citizen of America. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And people matter all over the world. And you have to sometimes lay aside your Americana. I love you. I do. All right? I got some firearms, too. I couldn't tell you where. I got ammunition for you. Breaking my house. Whatever. I'm going to have to beat you with an unloaded gun. All right? I could care less. I'm past all that stuff. This whole fear of everything, I'm like past it. Sometimes you got to lay your Americana down for the sake of the gospel. It doesn't work in every country. Matter of fact, it doesn't work in most countries. Um, anyway, I'll just say it because you can't push it in there. Pastor Steve said, we go in there about to take communion. He says, now listen, <laughs> he said, we're going to take communion. And he looks at me like, I guess he knew. He said, don't worry, we're going first. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Steve. Of all things I've experienced so far, this, you just reassured me the most with that one statement. <laughs> I'm just, an, I'm a germaphobe, man. I hate it. But now listen, if they just said, I've done it before. If people sit down something before you. And it means something to him, and I would not, I would not have refused it. I just said, in Jesus' name, help me, Lord. <laughs> Down we go. That's just me. That's my own quirks, okay? But he said, he gave thanks for this cup he passed around. He said, take this, and, and I say to you, I won't drink the fruit of this vine from now until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread, he gave thanks. Both times, bread and wine, he gives thanks. So there's a pattern here. He gives thanks for it. You remember Jesus in this. This is why we do it. But number two, you're going to give thanks for it. Revelation of this. When you take communion, stop for a minute and be grateful for what he did for you. Like it, it is not just, let's eat the cracker and juice, let's move on, Pastor, we've got to get to lunch. No. Let's stop a minute and consider what your Lord Jesus did for you. It, 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 you don't have to be thankful for me. You don't have to be thankful for the church. I'm thankful for anything else today. But this right here is enough to stop and show some gratitude. So he says, this is my body which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they'd eaten, saying, the cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Now, if you go back and read Exodus, you will see the example of Passover in Exodus with the blood on the doorposts. He told them to go and take the lamb. You take the blood of the lamb and you put it on the doorposts of your home. And when I see that, the death angel will pass over. If you ever watch the little cartoon, I think it's one of the best ones. You may disagree, but the Prince of Egypt that DreamWorks did, it's a cartoon version. It's one of the best, most, I think it explains it in a, in a much better way in a very short time that kids can understand, plus adults. It's a good, I think it's a good movie. They don't have everything right, I, but no, no one does. I mean, let's just be honest, The Chosen doesn't either. I mean, I hope to offend you there, but like, not everything in there is right either. But you, the point is, you're doing it for what? To, to inspire you to understand more about Jesus. Yeah. 
Not to make sure you have your every little detail done. So anyway, but the blood post, the blood, the blood is put on the doorpost of the home. And why? So that we, when the death, when it, see, it passes over your home. And then they were to bake this bread, unleavened bread, so fast. It was to be done, right? And they, and if you saw this bread the way they did it, even then, uh, they would scour it. It had holes in it. And the way they grilled it or baked it, I guess you should say, is so fast with un, nothing leavened. It won't rise. It's like a tortilla, but different. Uh, if you see real true matzo bread today, you can get it at like Publix. You can go over there and get you some. But um, it's got holes in it, and it's got stripes in it. It's the way that it's made. They don't understand why they're doing this. But it is a description of the visual representation of Jesus. That by his stripes you're healed. His, he was pierced in his side. And, and it is, he was bruised for you. Now, not that his bones were broken, prophetic words given that, and no bones were broken on Jesus. The other two had their bones broken to kill him quicker. Jesus already died. He gave up the ghost, as the scripture said, or the spirit. But he was pierced. And you see this in the matzah. And you go, see, go get it from Publix. It's, it's, you get you a box of it. It's, it's, you know, look at it. It's crazy. And they're making it today, not meaning to make it. They did not say, let's just make it look like Jesus. That's not why they did it. They were doing this before Christ. It's just the way that God would do to reveal himself. And so the blood, though, on the doorpost represents this. Or this, as he has, he's talking about this juice. If you go back then and look at it, the blood, there, there it is, right there. And so, even in Exodus, you see the blood and the bread right there, all the way back in Exodus, and they had no idea what it was for. If you go into, you'll see Melchizedek in, in some places in Genesis. You'll see him. He would bring forth bread and wine. If you go throughout the scripture, throughout, you will see the blood over and over and over and over and all throughout. You'll see the body represented as bread over and over and over again. All right. So I'm, what I'm saying that to you is G, this is precedent long before this moment. But what he wants you to understand, and I understand, is the revelation of what this is. This is deeper than Sunday morning, take a wafer and some juice and go home. Stop and remember that it was your Savior. <clears throat> all throughout the Bible in Genesis, all throughout Revelation, that he gave up his blood as a man. He was the Son of God, but he came in the form of a man, took on himself flesh, to give his blood as a sacrifice. Because you can sacrifice a thousand lambs, but I'm telling you, that lamb in the Old Testament was only going to cover. It, it, it would not abolish sin. It can only cover you for until the next round you messed up. <laughs> and, you know, we all know how that works, don't we? Aren't you glad today that the blood, like, once and for all, Hebrews says, once and for all time, it doesn't have to be done again. You, you don't have to do penance. You don't have to, to try to figure it out. You don't have to, he did it once and for all time. He just asked that we would believe it and receive it. That's all he asks for. And he has given to us this, this revelation of himself in uh, communion. Over and over again, this small but memorable visual that Jesus left, it impacted everyone in such a big way. It, it goes beyond what you see printed here. They took communion so much that the first time you see a recording of this, 80-50 to 55, Paul talks about this to the uh, recording in this. All the rest of the time, it was all oral tradition. I mean, this was such a big deal. They carried this through each other, the expansion of Christianity with communion present. They took this from oral tradition, just ver verbal communication, as much as the Bible. They didn't have this to walk around with. So for 50-some-odd years, they were so succinct on this thing called communion. They didn't mess it up. Even Paul, when talking to, Corinthians, to the Corinthians, he said, listen, this is how you do this, just like Jesus said. He, even he quotes Jesus to the Corinthian church, this exact same scripture. But he said, listen, man, you guys are doing this wrong, though. I mean, they would, like, they would get drunk on the wine. They would overindulge and eat so much bread. they just, like, you know, gorge themselves on it. It was like a... Real ridiculous feast, but they come from pagan idolatry. They, you know, part of it was just their culture. They, this is all new to them. So Paul had to say, this is not how you do this. So much the revelation of communion, he said, when you take this, you best stop and judge yourself. This is not something to trifle with. It's not something to look at and just say, oh, it doesn't matter. It does matter. At the same time, it's not so serious that you, oh, this is the real body and blood. That's not what it is. Don't take it too serious, but respect and honor what it represents. That's what Paul was saying. So that's what he had to tell the Corinthian church. The revelation of it, it was so strong uh, that also, by the way, 
in all four gospels, John refers to it, but the others list it and instruct it in all four gospels. Do you realize the birth of Jesus is only in two? Because it's a big deal. The birth is important. The birth makes this part happen. But the birth is recorded all throughout Scripture about the Messiah coming. They had verifiable numbers and documentation of dates of when he was coming within a three-year window. They knew when Messiah was born. They just couldn't find him. That's what made it so difficult. And Jesus got so frustrated with the, with the Pharisees because they knew who he was and they still rejected him. It wasn't because, of, well, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. No, they knew he was Jesus. That's why Nicodemus, that's why Joseph of Arimathea and others in the Sanhedrin stepped back and said, Hey, man, this is, we, you, you better leave him alone. I say that because the revelation of who he is, all four Gospels. And I just want to say one more thing about this before I move on. So when you take the bread and the wine, the, the bread and the wine are not holy of themselves. But what makes it a holy moment is what they represent. It's just like in the Old Testament, if you were to bring an offering to the altar, what makes the, is the offering holy or is it the altar that makes the offering holy? It's the altar. Your offering doesn't mean squat to God. I'm going to tell you right now, I love you, but you're giving financially, though it blesses and does great things for God in his kingdom. But I'm going to tell you right now, Paul calls it filthy lucre. Money is a terrible God. And money has no, it has power, believe me, and it does talk, but it's a false God. But when you take that, and while Paul said we give generously, without grudging, without this impending, well, I have to do this. No, we stop and we say, even in that, why? Because if I give, well, those methods and, and, and mentality, it's not sanctified. But if you want your money to be blessed, do it with the right heart. Say, Lord, this is not mine anyway. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to bless the rest. But you, go, you see the difference in the attitude. That it, well, I have to. Well, then you might as well keep it. He ain't going to bless it. I'm telling you right now, he ain't going to bless it. I've had him tell me, you know, times before when I would give, want to give something or I thought, you know, he'd prompt me to give something right. I go, oh, man, I don't want to do that. Don't look at me so holy like you have never thought the same thing. Y'all like so holy. Now, not me. I just, Jesus, when he says give, I just go to my bank account and just, whatever. You question it too. Like, oh, man, our Lord, are you sure? I mean, that's an extra zero I wasn't expecting. Like, are you sure a zero is necessary on the end of this number? Like, two zeros? Three zeros? What are you thinking? Like, we have these conversations, right? But... If you want him to bless it, you stop and go, okay, Lord, you know what? My flesh got in there a little bit. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what? Everything I have belongs to you anyway. And there's not nothing I have that you haven't given me. And you've always been faithful. So you know what? Okay, no problem. And I'm not kidding you. Some, there's been a few times like, well, good. I just want to see if you would. Kind of thing. Just, just to see if your heart's in the right place. But what makes it? Is your money holy? No. Our offerings are not holy. They're made holy because what we bring to. The altar is what makes it holy in the Old Testament. In the New, when you're given to God, it's sanctified by the Lord because of you know, what he does, not because of what we did. Anyway, so there's a revelation of this communion, revelation of the bread and the wine. And then the guys on Emmaus, this is the area of reminding us of this. And so maybe today this is what I'm doing for some of you. For some of you, I pray this is a revelation for you. For others, this might just be a reminder today. But on the road to Emmaus, so if you want to turn to Luke, these guys that are going to the road to Emmaus, Luke 24, they were reminded of something. And is there interesting, you know, you can be so consumed with your, uh, your fears, your thoughts, your worries, your uh, job, your stress, whatever you want to call it. You be so concerned with these things that you don't even see Jesus. It, it is possible. So let's look at Luke 24 and verse 13. We'll put it on the screen for you and let's watch these reminders that took place. But it says, Behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus. Now this is after, um, this is after Passover. So this is again why I'm going back to this timeline thing. Go look it up and read it. After Passover, uh, this is after, um, when you see this, Jesus has been resurrected, or at least not necessarily resurrected full-blown, like, as far as, like, it's everywhere past. This is in the middle of the... It's happened, but they are like, 
no one's really believing it, you know? Like, they think some are talking about it, but it's not really, like, verified, I guess, you know what I'm saying? It's not in the news media, I don't know what it is, but nobody's really 100% sure what's going on. But this is past the Passover, okay? It says, but told two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles uh, from Jerusalem. So they got a seven-mile walk. And they were talking to each other about all these things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Now, they were so consumed with their fear, or their concerns, their worries, what do you even call it? That Jesus appears. They're walking down the road, and they're so consumed with their thoughts, they don't even realize Jesus appeared. Like, did they just, did they miss something? Like, would you notice if somebody just right beside you all said, boom! What's up? Would you be aware of that? I would be aware of it. That'd probably freaked me out. But they were so consumed, they never saw him. And it says this, that <clears throat> he began walking with them. Now, how long do you think he began, tra- since he began traveling, how long do you think he walked them before he decided to say, you know, wow, how long before you notice me? I just wonder, you know. You know, is it possible you think he's walking with you and you don't know it? Wonder how many miles he's been walking. He's right there with you. You don't even see him. I mean, seriously, you can tell by how we talk. I mean, I just, you know, it's just not fair. I don't know what's going to happen. I just, well, he does. Won't stop and ask him, right? Like, just see what he says. Anyway, he says, so while they were talking and discussing, Jesus was up approached and began traveling. But verse 16, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. So now he's walking. They didn't realize he showed up. But now also he's walking with them. They didn't realize that. But now he's walking with them, and But they don't know who he is. Is it possible that the Lord has shown up in your life physically in a way, in a method that you didn't realize it was him? The scriptures say that we've even entertained angels unaware there are people in your life that have popped in your life and you did not realize they were angels. You thought there was some guy or gal, whatever, but... I mean, I've had it happen, man. Strangest story ever. I'll tell you one day about it. When I was working in Tulsa, it was the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And this lady was so encouraging. And we were doing a service call. And then tried to follow, do a follow-up, and they have no, uh, no recollection of the, there, there's no address, or there's no uh, contact information. They sent me out to do the work. They can't find her. I was going to follow up and say, hey, thanks for the word, you know, kind of thing. They couldn't find her. They said, Jody, we didn't give you that. I have it right here. They said, yeah, but that's not it. Like, it was a, it was a wrong, whatever, house or something. I don't know. I did work on the thing, on their, on their unit craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And then somebody told me, said, it's an angel. And I was like, no, no, it was a real person. Like, they were talking to me. It wasn't like that. <laughs> they did just like you. Like, um, how do you, do you think they show up with if a bunch of feathers flying around everywhere? If they did that, it'd kind of be a giveaway. That's the whole idea of, though you have entertained angels unaware, you know. The wings would give it away, right? So anyway, I don't know if they have wings anyway. So... <clears throat> All right, so nonetheless, we've all done that. And I can guarantee you he's talked to you before and you didn't even know it. So they're there. They don't realize it's him. And he says to them, first thing he asks them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still, looking sad. They stopped walking. And one of them named Cleopas, this is why I say this guy Cleopas, um, some think he was the uh, husband of one of the Marys that were there with at, at the crucifixion. Some don't. Some say he's just a random guy. I don't know. You could go either way with it. I kind of think if he's this close, if Jesus is showing up to him, I don't think he's a random guy. I mean, Jesus appeared to his disciples and others, but he appeared to people that were the closest to him, you know. He'd just go find people on the back side of Israel that he never met ever. Hey, I just want to let you know I'm here. He had to convince his followers that knew him, you know? All right, so anyway. And they said to him, now, don't, feel, don't look at these guys and think, what, a bunch of goofballs, because we've probably done the same thing. They said, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? Being Jesus, you know, I don't know what I would have said. I'd have been like, uh, I'm quite aware of what took place. I was the star role in the whole event. 
But Jesus doesn't do that. He, Jesus says, what things? He just plays along with them. I, it's just amazing. And they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet. Now, notice what they said, that he was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word in sight of God and all the people. They did not call him the Son of God. They called him a prophet. See, they had forgotten so many things that he told them. He says, they talked about this. They said, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you what they meant was, we were hoping he was going to deliver us from Rome. That's what they were saying. Is it possible that God might be doing things in your life, but because it didn't work out the way you think it was supposed to work out, that maybe you're missing him in this process of what he's doing? It's very possible. Like, you know, you're walking down one thing, you're thinking, God, I need this A, B, C to work out. And he don't do A, B, C, he does E, F, G. But you don't see it because you're too busy looking at A, B, and C, and you can't see him, you can't hear him. He's talking to you, asking you questions, and we're oblivious. That's what they wanted. But he doesn't always do what we want. I'm just going to tell you. I wish he would. I think I could help him in a lot of areas, but he doesn't listen to me on everything, okay? That's, you know, sorry, but that's the truth. I, I feel like I could help sometimes, but thank God he doesn't listen to me. So he says, verse 21, he says, watch. He says, but we were hoping it was him who was going to redeem Israel and said, besides all this, it is the third day since these things had happened. Now, you and I can think of a whole number of things, and they never caught what even they were saying. This is the third day. And they never caught it. They were confirming the resurrection with their own words, and it didn't register up here. And so Jesus, you know, lets them keep talking. He's just letting them hang themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just letting them go. Yeah, go on. Let's hear some more about it. What about it? So he says, also, some women among us amazed us, you know. When they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. I guess he finally had enough. Because then he says to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses, where? Moses. If you want to learn about Jesus, go back and read some stuff. It's not just Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's all in the Bible. And with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures, and they approached the village where they were going. And watch this. He acted like he was going on down the road. Now, I'm going to ask you, is it possible that he's just acting like he's going down here? And you think he's not with you because he's acting like, huh, I'm just going to see. They're going to keep hanging with me or are they going to check out? Is it possible? I mean, he's, this isn't the first time he's done this. There's other places in the scripture where he did it. When, when they were on the storms and they were all, oh, we're going to die, we're going to see. He's walking by like, like he might walk by them. But he stopped back, came back to help them. There's other places where he thought, they thought he's just going to walk on, but he didn't. So they said, listen, they urged him, verse 29, stay with us for it's getting towards evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he had reclined at the table with them, what did he do? Now they've had a meal. Now they're sitting back, they're reclining, how they, a little different than how we would do it, but anyway, they, they kind of, rela- you know, if you eat good, you're just kind of like, oh man, that's a good meal. They're just kind of relaxing. But as they're reclining at the table, he took what? Bread, and he blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. And then their eyes... Now, he had been with them on the road. They confirmed the resurrection. He was talking to them, walking with them. Angels had talked to women. They had been there to see for themselves, and not any of them are believing anything until they stop for what? Communion. That's powerful stuff. That bread means something. He broke it and blessed it, and he began giving it to them, and then their eyes were open, and then they recognized him, And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, this is the key, I think, with some of this. Were our hearts not burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Now, 
Why is that important? Because when you're dealing with so much stress, worry, anxiety, and fear, if you, this right here is the key to overcoming it. This right here will burn within your heart. Jeremiah calls it like a fire set up in my bones. If this is in us, we'll overcome this up here. But if it's not, this up here will dictate everything. So much so you can't even see Jesus when he's walking beside you. But your heart, when you, even when I'm talking about this right here, some things, in, there's some in right now, like, oh man, that's, I did not know that. It's called the Holy Spirit burning within your heart, letting you know that's his word. Not me, not, your, not a pastor, not a guy, but it's his word. Whenever you hear somebody talk to you about God's word or confirm something, you're like, oh man, wow, they gave me this word. It's not them. They're just a vessel. It's his word. It's what energizes you and gives you strength. So Ephesians calls it to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. What does that mean? How are you going to be strong in the Lord? Well, I'm just going to pray about it and ask him to give me strength. Well, you can. But the best way you can get some strength is go here. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Where do you get that from? From his word. I mean, this is the reality of what we have to have. But when he is reading this to them, he has preached them. He's given the word to them. But when they sat down for a communion, boom, it reminded them of the truth of what it was. And they get up from that very hour and they return to Jerusalem. So seven miles now, they're going back. And they found together, gathered together the eleven and those that were there with him, saying, The Lord has really risen and appeared to Simon. Then they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. Now they believe. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a lot of confusion going on at this time. But God, I found this to be true. Isn't it funny how if you know stuff, what do you say? Man, I, already, I knew that. I've read that at least 20 times. But I never did what? Never saw it. How many times have we said stuff like that? Man, I have looked at that scripture. I have read Luke 24 at least 30 different times on the road to Emmaus. And I never saw that. How is that possible? Because you can't physically see what the Holy Spirit is revealing. But he'll remind you as the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit would. He'll remind you of truth. But you've got to have truth in you for him to remind you of. Can't remind somebody of something you don't know anything about. Okay? And the last thing is this, real quick, is he asks us to respond to this. In the area of communion... God asks us to respond to communion, to the bread and to the wine. And God always gives an assuring word. It's a guaranteed word that you can trust, but it's what we do with it that really makes the difference. So um, how many know he already knows what he's going to do, right? I don't think we're, he's not surprised by anything. God doesn't look around and go like, you know, wow, I can't believe that just happened. He, I, he doesn't do that. He, he actually understands and knows. Now, he gives us free will and choice, but he knows things. You're not going to fool him. You're not going to surprise him. You're not going to throw him. You know, if we make it to Mars, he's not going to look like, wow, you know, I really didn't think they could do it. He already knows if we can do it or not. He, he's not going to be surprised by us and what we do. You know, he formed us anyway. So, but he does ask us to respond. So Isaiah 55 says it this way in verse 11. I'll put this on the screen for you. So my word, so will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the manner for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What does that mean? You, his word will give you strength and it will give you joy. They'll even overcome the most difficult things in life. But God knows, and he asks us, so how are we going to respond to his word? Like, what do you do with it when you hear something from God? What are you going to do with it? You don't have to do something with everything I'm talking about today, but there's got to be something in this today where you go, what am I going to do with what I've heard today? Interesting enough, as I was saying a while ago, you know, God gives us a word every now and then just to see what we're going to do with it. You know, I told you, uh, you know, a while ago with the guys on Emmaus, he acted like he was going on down the road. Why did he do that? Why would he do that? It's just to see if we'd say, hey, hold on, wait. No, I, you're, 
that word is really, you got me, man. Can you hang out with us a little bit longer? I need to know more about this. With the guys, when they were on the lake, when the, when the storm was hitting, man, they were, the scripture I put is on the screen for you, Mark 6, you can go look, read it later. They were frantically looking for the oars of the boat. They're, why would, would you not? Yeah, you're looking for oars, a life vest, anything. We're going to want to save you. But seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them, at about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And watch this. He intended to pass by them. Jesus, help me. Don't you see what I'm going on? Yes, I see what you got going on. But why aren't you doing anything? I'm just waiting for you to stop freaking out. Because, like, you're a mess right now. Like, I want to help you, but, you know, this, this, this boat is going to flip over, and you're trying to look for oars, son. You need to chill out. The oar is not going to help you right now. How many times do we do this? It's naturally, it's, look, your mind does it. It says, I need something to help me in this situation. That's fine, but what do you do when you run out of options? At some point, you've got to get the Holy Spirit involved. You can do your part, and you should do your part. Absolutely, there is our part to play, but let's ask him to come in and help us. So this morning, I'm going to ask you a couple of thoughts, and, and I think our ushers already have given you communion. If you didn't get the communion uh, cup, li- lift your hand, and we'll be glad to make sure you get one, okay? I want to make sure everybody got one. If you didn't, just raise your hand or any time to this, they'll come bring it to you. And I'll ask our worship team, they're going to come back up. And while they're, while they're doing this, they're going to be walking around, handing out cups, communion and stuff, and then our worship team's come back up. We're going to do some, another song of worship, and then we're going to take communion at the end, okay? So don't get ahead and you know, be an overachiever here right now. Just hang on. But if you didn't, raise your hand up high so they can see it. There's a couple of guys, guys, there's one over here on the far side, they'll get you. Anybody else, just lift your hand, they'll get you. But let me ask you some questions while they're, they're coming up. You know, it's amazing when we follow the Lord in the step. Gracias, mi amor. She don't know, I know a little poquito. Espanol, right? Mi amor, that's my love, right? I just impressed her, like, she's so impressed. She's not. <laughs> but let me throw out a couple of thoughts I had um, this morning. And I, I only give these to you because I myself have asked the same questions at times. Okay? What about this one? I keep asking God, why won't he answer me about my situation? All right, have you ever been there? I'm asking God, Lord, why won't you answer me? In this, here's my situation. I'm asking for one answer. I don't have anything. I don't have... A, 30 things, I'm just one. I just need one answer. But I keep asking him about it, but he won't answer me. These are some things that, that have hit me before when I'm in this season of life, when this happens. I keep asking God why he won't answer me about my situation, but for some reason, I keep having this feeling like I'm supposed to serve in my church. But every time I go to God and ask him about my situation... Like, that's what keeps coming to my mind, and I don't understand that. Okay? I keep going to God about my situation, asking Him, why won't He answer me? But every time I do that, I feel like I'm supposed to call this individual and talk to them, and I don't understand why. Like, I'm asking God about my situation, and this person keeps popping in my head every time I talk to the Lord. This person pops in my head. I don't understand what to do with that. Why God won't answer me? Every time I talk to the Lord, I keep asking about my situation. This is a real issue I got going on, God. He won't answer me. And the only thing that keeps going to my mind is like this thing, the tithe. I heard, you know, Gary, one of the elders or Pastor Jody or Pastor Stephen or somebody's talking about it. It just, I don't understand why. This has nothing to do with my situation, but that word comes up and it won't leave me, you know, alone. Man, I, I, my situation is a real issue and I'm praying to God and I'm asking him. But for some reason... I feel like I'm supposed to give my nicest shirts I've never worn with a tag on them to somebody. This one person. I'm not even talking, but that's what I'm, I'm asking God about my situation, and that's all I keep thinking. I keep getting this weird feeling I go to God about my situation. He tells me to give a gift card to somebody for groceries. They don't need groceries. They got money. I know they got money. For whatever reason, that's stuck in my head, and I'm trying to ask God about my situation, Right? Oh, this is one of my favorite of all time. You know, when you're stressed, you got all that kind of stuff going on. I'm asking God about our situation, what's going on with us. And I really feel like, man, I get this opportunity for a house, but I really feel like I'm about to make a really big mistake. 
But I'm asking God about my situation. But all I keep thinking about, this is a big mistake, this is a big mistake, this is a big mistake. Can I just, if you hadn't already figured out the answer to these questions yet, can I just encourage you right now, he is talking to you. But you're asking the wrong question. You're, I keep asking about your situation. He's trying to say, I'm going to help you, but I need you to fall through with this first. I have given cards to people or money to people that I thought had money for groceries and come to find out it wasn't the groceries necessarily. It was the fact that they prayed about something and God showed up in that way and it floored them. They didn't need the money. It was the fact that they prayed for something unique and God showed up. Don't overlook those things. He's with you. He's walking with you. He's right there with you right now. You just might not see him because you're too preoccupied with your situation. Maybe if he got us into somebody else's situation or some other thing, it would open our eyes to what God wants to do. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you this morning before we take this. Because I'm going to make sure, first of all, you're all saved. Because if you're going to take this, you need to, first of all, understand that you're a believer. You don't need to take this if you're not a Christian. This is the blood and body, not literally, but it represents the blood and body of Jesus. So would you close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment? Then we're going to worship and we're going to take communion together, okay? Right where you are this morning, you're here. You say, Pastor Joe, you're watching on broadcast, either one. If you have some juice and crackers at home, you can go get it and take it with us here in just a moment. But if you say, I don't know Jesus, I need to accept Christ as my Savior. And I've heard the story of Jesus enough, but I've just never really made a decision to follow him. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. The whole church is going to pray with you. You won't be by yourself. But this is important. If you're going to take this, you're going to take it seriously, but don't take it too seriously. This is not the blood and body of Jesus. It represents, though, the blood and body of Jesus. Before you take this, you need to know you're saved. And the scriptures tell you this about the Lord. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If a man believes in his heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and confesses with the mouth, he shall be born again. So right here, right here together, we're all going to pray this. You're not going to be alone. But I want you to close your eyes, bow your head, and just pray this with me in this church if you want to be saved right now. Say, Dear Jesus, (coughs) I come to you today and I give you my life and I give you my heart. And I acknowledge you as my Savior. I see you, Lord, as the resurrected Son of God. And I ask you today to save me, to forgive me of all sin. In Jesus' name, I make you Lord. Amen. Amen and amen. Man, if you pray that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church? Just give me a hand right now. Amen. At the end, I'll tell you what to do uh, going forward, but we're going to sing and, and we're going to worship God. And so why don't you do right now, just stand to your feet. If you didn't get one, has everybody got a, a communion cup, right? Right? Everybody get one? Okay. We're going to sing and worship the Lord in a song here. And, and this is the thing I want you to do. I want you to take a time here to stop. Just, I know you got stuff to do today. It's a pretty day and all that, blah, 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 blah. But we're talking about literally maybe five to ten more minutes. At the most, you're going to be in the parking lot. I'm done. I know, I'm done. Huh? It's record time. I know. Done. I'm asking you to stop for a minute. Just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let the let the let the Lord talk to you right now during this song of worship, okay? So can I pray for you as we go into worship? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, God, to speak. I ask you, Lord, to speak to every person in this room. Holy Spirit, I pray you reveal truth, remind them of things. And Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd be present, Lord, in our hearts, not just literally from your word, but God, when we see and understand who you are right here today and acknowledge you in this moment, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's worship together. <clears throat>
Amen. So the scriptures, so we've already read the scriptures to you, but I want you to take the top. If you didn't get one, raise your hand. They'll, they still can bring you one. But at the top of this, there's a little wrapper there. Just take the little wafer. And so, so you understand now why, in your church, why we break the wafer before you eat it. It's not something that we just say, hey, just take it. The reason we talk, a lot of times we break is because he said, break. This is my body, which was broken for you. Take, eat. This represents my body. And so as you take this this morning, go ahead and take a prayer over you in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for the, the bread that represents the body of Jesus. And God, as they're taking this right now, may we remember, Lord, that you were broken for us. Not one of your bones were broken, Lord, but you were bruised. You were beaten. Stripes were laid on your back for us, for our healing. And so, Lord, I pray for those in this room right now maybe going through maybe health challenges or physical symptoms of stuff. I just pray in Jesus' name they would remember, Lord, and ask God. Um, man, go to the doctor. Seek the, seek the doctors, physicians, and all those kind of things. You should do your part, but ask the Holy Spirit. I mean, ask Him. It's Get a word from the Lord, too. Don't just depend on medicine. And uh, nothing wrong with that. Go see your doctor. I think doctors are wonderful. I think God gives us doctors. But uh, ask God too. Uh, Holy Spirit, what, what is the situation in my body? Why is this going on? And, and just see what he might put in your heart there. And In Jesus' name. In the same way he took the cup and he said, This represents my blood. It is a sign of the new covenant. And so when you take of this today... This represents his blood, which was poured out for you. So when you, when you drink this, it's being poured out, if you will, for you. And so in Jesus' name, as you take, Father, I just pray that everyone in this room remembers the blood of Jesus that was poured out for our sins, that you fully redeemed us through the precious blood of Jesus. We don't have to do another thing. We come to you in faith, receiving salvation. And God, we are working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. God, we are growing more and more in the image of Christ. And so, God, we thank you, though. Salvation is a done deal. It is established by your work and not ours. We just receive it in Jesus' name. So take of the cup this morning. <clears throat> the last three questions I'll leave with you. And Pastor Stephen's coming up, I think, to close out, right? Yep. You can come on up. So I'm putting these three questions on the screen for you this morning. He's going to close out and give you some instruction. Um, maybe take these home with you or think about these what, what has God revealed to you what is God reminding you of and then most importantly I think how are you going to respond to what God is saying uh, today now just take those with you because uh, I think I think those are really important um, I think it's just important to leave with that what are you going to do with what God has given you uh, today? So we all welcome Pastor Stephen up here. He's going to close out today. <clears throat> they didn't give Thank you welcome. You. Thank you, Pastor Jody. I feel like it's in too serious of a mode. We just need to a good scream. Oh, Jesus. There we go. Now we can get into it. All right. Uh, we want to thank you guys all for coming tonight. And let's give Pastor Jody another hand for that message. Yes. We just thank the Lord for giving us Pastor Jody and the messages that be placed, that's placed on his heart. I just want to remind you guys, and I want to thank you guys for your giving. Because of what you do, Cornerstone Church is able to do what we do. So we want to thank you guys for your giving, and there's multiple ways you can give. You can give by going to cornerstonerome.com, which is give online. You can go to give.cornerstonerome.com. You can text uh, the numbers on the screen if you have not done that. Or what's the bottom thing? I can't see. Or you can give in person. That makes sense. With the boxes in the back. And we want you guys to know that as a church, we have done our best to be stewards of the funds that have come in. And we want to give a praise report because two major things happened this week. Well, one major thing specifically. The water line is repaired. 
I felt like for a season we were in uh, the boat and we just kept sending out uh, birds like, come on, God, can this, when is the water going to recede? And it's finally repaired after them being here for the whole week trying to get it fixed. So we want to praise you guys for that. And it's because of your giving that that was able to get done. And we also want to let you guys know um, our prayer partners will be down here up front. So if you have prayer requests, if you need anyone to come alongside you during this time, they'll be here. So I'm going to call the prayer partners up at this time. They'll be here if you need them at any time. And finally... Oh, sorry. We want to also remind you guys that next week is Catch the Vision. So if you're interested in what Cornerstone Church is about, we invite you to sign up for Catch the Vision. You can also visit on, go online to find out more about that. Where? I have no idea. I don't even pay attention to in most meetings, but it's okay. You can find out about it. Or you can ask Sandra. She's in the back. She knows all that information. Finally, we want to say this prayer as you guys go, which is found in the book of something. Numbers. I know. See, I know it's somewhere. Come on. In the book of Numbers, we say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. Have a wonderful day. You guys, see you back next time. Next time. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.